Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot, actual-play, role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the Dungeon Master, Storyteller, Lore Master, and All-Around Host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game materials, setting material, music, and whatever else, are used without permission. None of them are ours. We're just using them to enhance our gameplay. But an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister. H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyhammerK and on Instagram at SkyhammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas, check out our social media Roll D4 Adventure prompts. And if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. You've just taken your first step into a larger world. Star Wars Saga Edition. Released in 2007 by Wizards of the Coast, Saga uses the D20 system, and it was my first introduction to role-playing in the galaxy far, far away. In the three years that it was published, Saga Edition printed 14 books, including the core book, source books for starships, threats, droids, and Jedi, theme books, and campaign guides. The campaign guides were particularly interesting to me, covering the Knights of the Old Republic, Force Unleashed, Clone Wars, Legacy, and Rebellion eras. In 2010, the game went out of print and Fantasy Flight Games picked up the Star Wars role-playing license to begin their development of the Edge of the Empire system that we played in Season 1. Although technically we played Force and Destiny, which was the third game in that line. Saga Edition was a streamlined version of D&D 3.5. It used the Talents system from D20 Modern, and it used an action economy and defenses design that would eventually be used in 4th Edition D&D. It also focused a lot more heavily on miniature combat, and it had a tie-in series of randomized booster miniature packs for use in the RPG and in a skirmish war game that was a lot of fun, and came with a bunch of like two-sided um, battle maps that I still have kicking around somewhere. So, how was the game streamlined when compared to 3.5? Skills aren't bought with points, they're trained, much like 5th edition D&D. Bonuses to your rolls are in easily mathed increments of 5. Starting hit points are triple your hit die, but weapons have a lot more dice in damage. It felt like they were experimenting with a lot of things, some of which made it into 4th edition and some didn't. Altogether though, it's a crunchy, numbers-heavy rendition of Star Wars that feels like the setting you love. Some of the negatives are the complicated feat interactions, the weird rules around armor and defenses, and how Use the Force can replace almost any skill without any penalty or added difficulty. Like all other D20 systems, you roll a D20, add your modifiers, and try to equal or exceed a set difficulty. Characters have speed, hit points, levels, and skills. 
Force users can get powers and techniques, and everyone else gets more feats. There are five classes, Jedi, Noble, Scout, Soldier, and Scoundrel, and each class has several talent trees that you can use to customize your character. If you're looking for a Star Wars game that lets you play tactical combats, negotiate tense deals, and adventure through the galaxy, Saga Edition has all of that for you, with the added benefit of letting you use the polyhedral dice you probably already have. I never played the West End game system, which used D6s, or Wizards of the Coast's earlier edition. But I do have some comparisons to share between Saga and the Star Wars lines by Fantasy Flight Games. Both games are heavily focused on character personalization, but the level-based design in Saga Edition makes you wait longer than the career-style advancement in FFG Star Wars. The talent trees are really cool in Saga, and once you expand past the first book, you get a ton of options in talent choices. But the careers and specializations in FFG Star Wars have more detail. I like their design better. They remind me of talent trees from World of Warcraft, which is, I'm sure, what they were modeled on, but they're just more modular. Saga uses polyhedral dice that you can get anywhere at various price points. FFG Star Wars uses custom narrative dice that you have to purchase specially or use a digital option or a replacement chart. Saga gets you to the action right away, but FFG Star Wars is notorious for its lengthy dice pool mechanics and negotiations over spending advantage and threat. Though, if you're using Roll20 for Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, or Force and Destiny, there are some handy community-made character sheets that do all the dice pools, rolling, and cancelling for you. Shameless plug for our sponsor. Economy is handled better in Saga Edition, but gear customization is more satisfying in FFG Star Wars. Saga Edition has gear customization, I just found it clunkier though a lightsaber feels more powerful in Saga. It's powerful in Force and Destiny, being able to ignore 10 soak and get right to damaging, but there's something about rolling multiple dice for damage that makes a lightsaber feel cooler in Saga Edition. In FFG Star Wars, you never actually roll for damage. There's a flat number that's modified by the quality of your success. So swinging a lightsaber feels more fun in Saga. Saga has better antagonists. FFG Star Wars villains and baddies can all feel very samey, with a lot of their nuance being put on the Game Master to include through spends of advantage and threat. Saga has fully statted out characters in each book, as well as a Threats of the Galaxy antagonist book, like a monster manual. Admittedly, the stat blocks are complicated and require a lot of cross-referencing until you memorize every feat. That's a challenge of D20 system games. The Force. At low levels in Saga, the Force is too general and easy. It applies to everything. At high levels, you get Force techniques and secrets that are cool and amazing and make you feel like you can be a mother-flippin' Jedi. Early days in FFG Star Wars, or more specifically Force and Destiny, have the Force feeling effective but elusive, like there are super cool things just beyond reach, but when you start 
looking at filling out force power trees and customizing your powers and increasing your force rating and rolling the force dice. It's everything's actually just very narrow and expensive. You invest so much and you get out something that's pretty narrowly focused and hard to apply in every situation. It's, you know, it leads to a little bit of um, jealousy if you're running a mixed party and you see your soldier friend getting a cool new ability or option every few sessions and you're just incrementally upgrading your force powers. Both games have long involved combats. Like, long. Saga Edition's version is tactical and uses exact distances, squares, templates, cover, a strict action economy. Edge of the Empire drops the grid for range bands and relative distances, but keeps a fairly robust action economy system with actions and maneuvers. The thing that makes it long is that there's so much health to chew through, and there's not much in the way of randomizers for increasing damage. Both games also have lots of talents and abilities to enhance social encounters, but, as usual, not as much detail as is put into combat. Though, if you do get into the optional Destiny rules in Saga, or the equivalent Obligation, Duty, and Morality rules in FFG's games, it does move more towards space opera and telling a sweeping narrative. Honestly, both games are more science fantasy than space opera. So what do I think? Saga Edition feels like it's from the early 2000s. It's a beautiful system that will get you a lot if you spend the time to learn every option and collect every book. And if you play it out of just the core book, you get a very enjoyable taste, but there is something about it that feels like three quarters complete. It's crunchy and it's clunky, but it does have a lot of charm. The Star Wars games by Fantasy Flight Games let you choose your own level of complexity because you have so much more freedom when investing your experience in character advancement. But the narrative dice are a barrier to entry and the quick and dirty dopamine hit of leveling up is gone. It's not clear how your character stacks up against any particular challenge because it's not meant to be clear in that system. Everything's muddy in the waters. It's a game about telling the story, not becoming an untouchable level 20 badass. So, if you want to become a badass level 20 Star Wars Jedi, bounty hunter, or ace pilot, Saga Edition might be a better fit for you. Okay, so, wow, I've got a lot to say about Star Wars RPGs. I'm going to cut myself off here, go into the game. I hope you enjoy. Our players today included... Dan Witten playing Bunya Tog, a Gungan Jedi. Katie Witten playing Elu Tatch, a Trandoshan noble. Jen Blackmoyer playing Vrakbut Na, a Mon Calamari noble. Tyler McCrate playing Sion Bays, a human scoundrel. Katie Churlin playing Ida, a Zabrak soldier. And Tyler Churlin playing Oris Jakor, a human scout. I lied. One last thing before we really get into it. If you're listening to this game on release day, 
or a day after, you still have time to catch Massive Damage Adventures live on Twitch Friday, April 2nd at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Jen, Patrick, Amanda, and Corey from our D&D campaign Rise of the Ancients are joined by Katie Witten from this here episode, and they are all playing teenage superheroes in a mall called The Reef. Heroes of the Reef is a short campaign that we're going to be live streaming on Fridays in April on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Massive Damage Adventures. The games are sponsored by Roll20 and Monty Cook Games. And every episode, we're giving away one $25 gift card to the Monty Cook Games web store. So check it out. Look on social media, SkyhammerK on Twitter, Skyhammer Press on Instagram, and go to twitch.tv slash Massive Damage Adventures at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, Friday, April 2nd. So first things first, this episode sponsored by Roll20. Yay, Roll20. Always exciting that we're having this sponsor with us for this entire year. And uh, we're using Roll20 and we're using their um, character sheet for Star Wars Saga. And it's great. And the functionality is amazing. And it will be uh, helping us make things go faster today, which is awesome. Um, Hilariously, an extra special shout out to Mark from The Gentleman Plumbers. Yeah, Mark! (laughs) Thank you, Mark, for coming and helping us with our plumbing issue today. And I hope that you've continued to listen to the podcast. Because what happened is we started chatting and it turns out he likes a lot of the same books that we do. And so we were talking about the Stormlight Archive and I was telling him about Mistborn and stuff. And I was like, hey, so, you know, I do a podcast and here's the link to my podcast. And if you want to hear about like Mistborn, the adventure game, you could you could listen to that. So maybe he's listening. And if so, hi, Mark. Yeah. And because of Mark, we didn't have to fix our toilet all day because he fixed our toilet all day. So thanks, Mark. Yeah, that was good. Okay, and now I'm going to do a little bit of fiddling, and everybody's going to need to join the stream. Ooh! Ooh! Massive Damage Adventures, Season 4, Episode 4. The Tyrants of Socorro. Trade negotiations! Smuggler Queen Lynn Valla was preparing to meet with a spice mining delegation from Lanark when tragedy struck. The Scav, a notorious Chiss pirate and smuggler, destroyed three quarters of Valla's fleet in a daring bombing run. Now, Valla faces trade negotiations with a Lanark guild and a massively diminished smuggling operation. To add insult to injury, Valo recently learned that the Scav is a competing bidder for this business. Your job? Make sure the Scav can't attend the negotiations. Whoa! Now this is canon, now that I saw the crawl. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was a good crawl. Yeah, watch. Oh, this is so great. There's a little bit more. No, it's you're not funny. by the Death Star. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you said something was above our level, so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so the scav are the worst, and three quarters is a lot of gone bad dead chips. So the six of you have a mission given to you by your benefactor, uh, Lynn Valla. You need to take a speeder, go out into the desert to the Scav's secret desert hideout. You know the location and you know that he's been laying low there. We're cutting right to the action as you're flying out in the dark. And you have to stop him from getting to the negotiations. Destroy his speeders, scuttle his ship, knock out communications, whatever it takes. So, as you glide over the black sands of Socorro, the sky a little bit reddened uh, with the single red sun having just um, set, who's driving the speeder? Uh, I have a, a very high piloting skill and an affinity for racing, so I, if nobody objects, I'd be happy to pilot. Sounds great. Okay, so this is Bun Yatog. Uh, can you tell us, can you describe for us your character and how uh, he is flying the speeder? Yeah, so uh, Bunya Tag is uh, actually a Gungan who grew up in the lower levels of Coruscant. Uh, he grew up uh, racing swoop bikes in a uh, swoop race uh, biker gang before he uh, was identified as a Force sensitive and sent for his uh, Force training at a Jedi Academy. So uh, getting to be uh, on a speeder again and moving at high speeds, uh, Boon is just having the time of his life and he's just... Uh, kind of um, just letting out some uh, really exhilarating whoops and say, all right, everybody, we got to make sure we get to this scab right away. We can't have there be any problems with these trade negotiations. Can I please hear some Gungan whoops? (laughs) 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 Yes. Thank you. All right. And uh, what about... uh, Elu Tatch, what is uh what does she look like and what's she up to? Alrighty, so um, Elu Tatch is a uh, Trandoshan. So if you guys remember those sort of lizard-like uh, aliens, um, she is uh, actually eyeing up um, uh, Boone and his kind of excited energy, and she's thinking to herself, "I wonder if I should take him back to my planet and we can hunt him." It's part of our rituals. Uh, yes, he seems like a good contender. <laughs> I'm very keen about this. Um, and basically, she's just kind of got her kind of sneaky eyes, and she's looking all over the ship, and uh, just kind of eyeing up Boone right now. Oh, and let's establish that. What does the speeder look like? Is it like an open top? Is it double long? 
if Boone got a uh, chance to choose, then it's definitely open top. And uh, my little Gungan uh, ear flaps or whatever you call them are just going crazy in the wind. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, it's got to have six seats, so it's probably going to be like three rows, open top. Uh, and then I guess makes sense to go to Vrokboot Na next. Yeah, so uh, Vrok Abutna is a um, calamari. What are they called? Mon calamari. Mon calamari. And he is um, Elu's manservant, uh, a.k.a. slave. But he really doesn't mind. Um, He's kind of been, he really enjoys this life and taking care of her. And so right now he's uh, sitting there with kind of like a handkerchief over his mouth for the for the dust and just looks mildly annoyed. It's very dry, very arid here, probably very uncomfortable for the Gungan and the Moncal. He's he's thinking about the dust that's getting in um his lady's clothing and how the sun's gonna dry out her scales more and she really ought to be moisturizing. Very attentive manservant. Okay, uh, let's hear about Scion Bays. Uh, are we? Can we see the ship in the distance, or are we not quite within sight yet? So, uh, you know that you're going to have a couple of hours of travel. So, you're going to be going through this uh, cracked, um, uninhabitable black sand desert, leaving behind you the capital city of Socorro, which is named Vakea. And then you're going towards um, like a secret desert base. Think like Jabba's Palace. So I'll probably be riding shotgun, um, just trying to keep an eye out uh, through some sort of monocular. Just look out, make sure that nobody's coming up upon us. Okay, and do you want to describe your character? Uh, yes, he is remarkably plain, rather scarred up, but he isn't particularly attractive and just kind of blends in. Uh, probably about uh, 5'9", average build, short cropped hair right close to the scalp brown hair brown eyes cool and yeah you'd fit in pretty well on Socorro it is 90% human so yeah easy to fade into the crowds when you need to uh let's go to Ida Iada we had this debate earlier I'm going with Ida because that's yeah. easy. Um, so Ida is a Zabrak and a former soldier, and she's got a nice ring of uh, horns around her forehead and some facial tattoos. Um, she's not red. She's more like a tan color, unlike Darth Mole. <laughs> uh, and she's probably sitting in the back, I would say. Um, probably hand on one of her pistols and she's probably rolling her eyes with all the whooping because she's not really a fan of high energy people. (laughs) 
Boone has not picked up on any of the cues Ida has sent. <laughs> awesome. And then our last character for tonight, Oris Jakor. Uh, yeah, Oris is uh, probably at the back of the speeder too. And he's uh, he's kind of a quiet guy. He uh, always wears his helmet. And he's uh, a bit of a mystery to everybody. It kind of Not everybody really knows his name that he deals with. He's kind of just known as the Imperial because he wears some scavenged uh, short trooper armor. And yeah, he's kind of just... Uh, he seems like he's like sitting back and almost sleeping, but he's definitely not. But you can't see his face. And his little companion? Oh yeah, and he's got a little uh, BD droid that uh, he kind of uh, has everywhere with him and usually talks to him more than everybody else. And he's kind of just like a little uh, two-legged droid that scampers around and sits on top of his shoulder. Yeah. It's got no arms? Yeah, he, he doesn't. He's got the little droid <gasps> stuff that comes out. Oh my god, he is and so he, cute! And he, uh... I don't know if you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Does he have a designation? Uh, yeah, so he's, yeah, BD, BD-9 is his name. And BD-9, like, just sitting there beside uh, uh, beside Oris, maybe, like, poking its little head out, uh, looking out over the uh, over the darkness, its, its eyes, like, uh, articulating and, like, zooming in and out. Yeah, and he's just kind of, everyone just calls him the little guy for the most part. He's kind of like the, the little mascot of the group. <laughs> and he like, he'll change like red if he's like kind of angry or green if he's happy. Does he do like blue if he's scared or something? Does he get scared? Yeah, he'll do blue if he's scared. Or green if he's jealous, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the six of you plus BD9 are... uh flying through the desert on this open top land speeder uh you know that it's going to be a couple of hours and that most likely there will be some sort of uh security measures along the way it's not exactly it's not the sort of place that you have scouted because this is a um uh, a dangerous spot from arrival they change things pretty often as well um how do you approach do you go as quickly as you can do you um uh try and use the terrain a little bit do you scan what do you do maybe some fancy slot canyon piloting stuff like that Um, so I, I guess, uh, as I'm, uh, heading forward and kind of navigating, I'll just sort of, uh, call to everyone else and say, we're getting pretty close. We could, uh, come in hot or, uh, do you want to park the speeder and try to sneak in? I think we should avoid getting shot out of the sky. And so maybe we should park and then, as you suggest, sneak in. Yes, my lady is very wise. Oh. 
Okay, are there... Can I see, like, landscapes up ahead? Is Do I know if, uh... Like, is it just a pure flat surface? Or do I at least know that the base is, like, in a canyon or next to mountains? Or can I see that much? Unclear yet. Still a little bit of, um, of ways to go. Uh, if you look at World 20, you can see, like, just sort of an example of what the terrain looks like. And... What I need is basically the approach and a roll, and then we'll develop a little bit more. You, you can't quite see the base yet. Um, if you roll really high, you might arrive under cover of darkness, but it's far enough away that you, if you roll poorly, you'll go in circles and you'll uh, show up once the sun has risen again, which would make approach more difficult. Okay, well, Boone's tendency is going to just be guns blazing straight as an arrow, straight into the heart of adventure until I see something. So I think that's going to be my method of approach unless anybody speaks up. If someone else wants to do some sort of, like, roll to scout, they could, but I'm just going to be barreling through. I mean, yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, so first roll of the game, use a Make a piloting check. Okay. I will do that. I got a 28, which I... Oh. Uh, third edition, but that sounds good. <laughs> it's real good. So another fun thing about Roll20, um, when it brings those lovely rolls up, you can actually mouse over the number and it'll show you what you rolled. So you rolled a natural 17 with your modifiers of 2, 4, and 5. So with that in mind, can I just say that while I don't see anyone, I would also like to be doing, like, if I just see, like, something going up a little, I'd like to just take a couple of jumps, get some air, you know? Beautiful. Um, And so you're rocketing forward, you're making excellent time, and uh, in the distance, you begin to see sort of a, a little bit of a light on a tall tower, and you're heading kind of straight forward towards it at this point, but with your incredibly high roll, you're so fast, you could probably uh, cut to the side and not lose too much time by taking a longer route or um, attempt to bypass in some other way. But here is what it looks like. Shown to everyone on roll 20. Ooh! got green like light in its windows and it looks kind of like the CN Tower. Yeah, a nice sort of thin tower uh, that opens up to a viewing point at the very top with a tall antenna. 100% must have a rotating restaurant. <laughs> so, All right, I'll, turn, I'll turn to Scion on my side and say uh, Hey Scion, you're, you're scouting ahead. Uh, what do you see up there? They got any heavy artillery? Can I make out anything on the uh, tower at all, or just kind of rough? Uh... Make a perception check. And uh, you said that you had a mono uh, viewer. You were adding that. If you'd like to buy one retroactively, I think we'll do like flashback, flashback buying scenes. Um, then you would get some sort of bonus. What do you got in the way of credits? Oh, you're not pushing to talk. 
I forgot to look through and spend them, so I have the full amount. Okay, let me just pull up equipment real quick. Because it makes sense that people would have uh, viewers. Katie, what instrument makes this a woo woo a woo woo? Oh man, That's a I know. Question. I remember. I think it was like a a recorder, and then they like pitched it up and down. Sorry, I should have been specific. I meant Katie Churlin. She's a music teacher. <laughs> there actually, is like a YouTube of a guy playing it on like a recorder. It's not like a soprano recorder. It's like a like a bigger one, like probably a bass. But yeah, I just put a picture in the. Uh, so pen. Dan and both Katies knew that. I did not know that. Nice. Um, so I looked it up, and unfortunately, electro binoculars are a thousand credits. So um, that's fine, but you rolled really high anyway. So with a 22, you can see that it doesn't look like they have any weapons. It looks like this is really, like, there's no heavy artillery. Uh, it looks like a watch post that's probably, you know, staffed uh, that will report in. It looks like it doesn't have any really weapon systems of any sort, just uh, just people keeping an eye out. Do you think you can... Uh, weave through the surrounding area and have us not be seen? In the grand spirit of uh, Star Wars properties constantly quoting themselves, I'm going to say, I know a few tricks, and I'm going to try to do that. I have a question. Yes, uh, sorry, before the question, I just want to establish for everybody, quoting Star Wars is incredibly encouraged. (laughs) What's your question, Liv? Uh, are land speeders quiet or are they loud? They do like a vo- 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 but yeah, it's pretty fun. So it's not like a street racer. Not like a pod racer either. No. Yeah. So Oris is gonna look to uh, with Ida <laughs> beside him and say, "I've got a bad feeling about this pilot." <laughs> Okay, uh, so go ahead and make a piloting check um, to use a couple of tricks, show a couple of maneuvers, uh, pilot through some of the dangerous areas to get past this watchtower. All right, and at, at one point, again, because Star Wars is constantly uh, mirroring itself, I am going to try to turn the speeder sideways <laughs> to weave between some things. I thought you were going to drift lazily left. <laughs> Wow, Mary, you have a picture of a speeder in this. Yeah, it's a little speeder, but not exactly. I got 26. Wow. Yeah, um, you have effectively uh, moved past this challenge, and you are fairly certain that they didn't see you or raise any alarm. All right, I'm going to, uh, after pulling off that maneuver, turn back to uh, Oris, who just sort of spoke ill of me and just say, uh, what do you think of that, Stormtrooper? And just wink at him. Yeah, and BD-9 going to answer for me and just let out some beeps. <laughs> like, <laughs> concerned beeps. Like... Just some beeps. <laughs> I got to see if I speak beeps. Hold on. 
Oh, I didn't choose binary for you, but you had linguist and got like a bonus five languages. I've got so many languages. So if you want to kill one of those languages and put binary on, you can absolutely. I am. Totally. I speak binary. The linguist feat gives you additional languages equal to one plus your intelligence modifier. And Jen's got an int plus four. So I can understand BD9. What did BD9 say? He said, I have a really bad feeling about this. (laughs) I'm just going to go. Okay. So it is the small hours of the morning. It is still dark when you uh, approach the location that you have determined is the base for the outlaw known as the Scav. Um, so there's a couple base now? you can basically this rock formation right here is roughly what it looks like from the outside. You begin to see a couple of lights, um, some sort of access points. There's a bridge over some of the stone, uh, sort of like a bowl like, uh, uh, rise, uh, with a number of sort of like cave entrances. All right, so is it? Are we reasonably within walking distance then? Yes. All right, I'm gonna pull the speeder over to the side, kind of park behind a boulder so that we're not in the eye line of anyone in that base, and say, "Well, we're here. What do you say we go get that scab?" My lady. Let's go. I don't have all day. Oris is just going to rack his weapon and step out. Kind of just not really say anything. BD-9 is going to let out a couple couple beeps saying, let's go. Okay. So with a cursory glance at this base, you can see that there appears to be a sort of smallish hangar-like entrance um, on the bottom, definitely more in the range of uh, speeders and swoop bikes, or even like a pod racer, um, that's right around where you are in level and goes into the base. And then higher up, um, as you get close, you can see the nose of a smallish-looking scout ship, uh, and then a small path that leads down to uh, an entrance. So the sort of bowl shape holds a small landing pad, and there appear to be two entrances into the base. Are there any visible guards at this moment? No, but you could make a perception check to see what other defenses they might have. Everybody could make this check as well. Sorry, one more time, what was it? A... Perception check. Thank you. Um, And if you have... uh, No, actually, never mind. I was going to say low low light vision and dark vision, but it's going to show up if you roll on things. Never mind. I perceive the entire meaning of the universe. 
with a 29. Hot dang. Oh. Yeah, that was... Uh, Ida uh, may re-roll with her Zabrak ability of heightened awareness. Well, wow. oh, 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 oh. that's quite it's the better. It is tech. So Ida got a five and then we rolled for a seven. Uh, and then we've got uh, Elu with dark vision getting a 14. And, and that's Oris with a 13. Oris with a 13 with the low light vision. And Bunya okay. got say I have integrated helmet package. So yeah, what does Bunya have? Bunya got a six. He's mostly just trying to wipe off his goggles right now. <laughs> uh, Bunya actually rolled persuasion, not perception. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, those goggles were very persuaded. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go ahead and roll perception. It's a 14. Okay. So, um, let's see. Elu and Bunya both, um, or Bunya, both can tell that, uh, there's, there's like some small security measures like cameras and so on, uh, that are mostly sort of aimed around the uh, the entrances. However, the 29 from Vrakboot uh, can see some activity at the ship. It does look like there are some people uh, and droids sort of working around the ship and... Uh, you get the sense that, you know, there's more activity up there. Okay, so um, he'll then lean close to his lady and say quietly, Milady, I see there are people on the ship ahead. I'm gonna say, um, well done, Rockboot. Um, what do you suggest we do? That is not for worms like me to decide, my lady. Your brightness is so much more than mine. I see. Well, perhaps we should use you as bait to lure them out. And then when they're pummeling you, we can sneak attack them. How do you think of mm. Very good, my lady. So, uh, yeah, I guess he'll just start walking forward. He's got a very, very stiff walk. So he walks completely upright. There's no sneaking. And he does that like, thing where his hands rest just like a little bit on his back, kind of on the sides. They're not all the way behind, but just like at a at ready place. And, yeah, he'll just start walking forward. And BD9 lets out a little concerned beep and starts to try going after but then uh oris calls him back and says come here buddy i would like to say though that uh rock boot takes very good care of bd9 like he he helps take care of him a lot and does lots of like maintenance i'm gonna grab 
I'm going to grab Rockboot by kind of the back of his cape. You're wearing a cape? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> by the back of the cape, just kind of hold up. I don't think we need to go directly in and calling attention to ourselves quite yet. If there's people up top, why don't we try going in through the bottom? Perhaps it's not active at the moment, so we could try to get in a little sneakier. Uh, I'll look back at my lady to see what she instructs. That sounds sufficient, I suppose. Very wise. Sorry, just a question, because I should have been paying closer attention to the crawl. Um, these, this meeting we're trying to stop him from attending. Is that on this planet or on a different planet? Yeah, so the meeting, the Lannix Spice Guild is coming to Socorro, which is one of the planets along the Lannix Spice um, hyperlanes. And so the guild is coming and they've got this sort of summit that they are going to renew their legitimate trade deals. And the local smugglers are all going to make their best case for why they should have the biggest share of the under the table profits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so your benefactor, uh, Lynn, has been put in a terrible position because suddenly she has much fewer ships to offer. And so uh, it's happening this morning and the goal is to delay uh, this horrible villain from uh, uh, attending because if he misses this, he has insulted the Spicing Guild, and they will not deal with him. Gotcha. Also, you can see my beautiful baguette that I have drawn up there. It's supposed to be a spaceship, but it really looks, <laughs> really? It looks like bread. 100% thought it was a baguette. It is my goal to steal and butter that baguette. <laughs> All right. How dost thou approach? You pull your Mon Cala friend back over the ridge and everybody's sort of like leaning down in the dust and looking, figuring out what they want to do. What time is it approximately? Um, Because of the incredibly high piloting rolls, you're about an hour before dawn. I'm going to try to direct folks the best ways to kind of duck through any sort of higher bits of terrain so that we can all attempt to sneak towards the the swoop bike entrance. Okay, so that would be helping another person. So who's got the lowest stealth? Who's got really low stealth? It's me! I have a two. I don't know if that's really low. I Mine's higher than yours. Yeah, and we both have a five. So it's probably pretty decent. 
Dan, I think that one's mine. And the other one was yours. You have hired me. Oh, yeah. Okay, our transition. So it's actually Elu who is the least stealthy, I think. I got a two. Okay, so what... Um, let's see. That's kind of kind of be... I think it would just be... It might be a stealth, teaching them how to use stealth. Um, but Tyler, you... Well, sorry. Uh, Scion can use uh, an action to sort of like aid Elu with stealth. Um, so you would just need to beat a DC 10 and then she'd get a plus two. Can anyone aid me? That's a lot. That's a 27. I I think she's well aided. Can anyone aid me or is that not allowed? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought that you were asking the group for help. We only have five, so I don't know how well we would aid you. I, I mean, we could try. We could try it. Dan also. Yeah, has- that's good. I have a we six. Also have our- yeah, maybe that's better. That's a little better. Yeah. Okay. So our um, our human uh, uh, scion bays. Uh, goes and helps the Trandoshan like navigate a couple of hiding spots and, and move carefully. And then the oh, Craig left. Bye, Craig. We're just gonna rely on G Arc. Craig's uh, having a bad night. Okay. Um. So lost my train of thought. Uh, Boon is going to help. Uh, Brockboot. Yeah. So how does Boone help Rock Boot? Being common, um, like uh, ocean creatures and uh, being comfortable underwater, I'm just going to say, all right, Brock, now what I want you to do is just imagine it's one of those giant sea anemones, and all you're trying to do is just swim right between everything. So you want to swim and just be completely calm. There is no emotion. There is peace. Just swim through their vision, and you'll be completely fine. I'm sure of it. Very good. I've been told I get too emotional. Okay. Um, So, uh, if Boone could go ahead and... mm, I wonder if there's kind of like a leadership type role. I like that, that one. one. <laughs> um, I think it might be a persuasion. Nah, go right, ahead with self. Let's not make it complicated. Let's not make it. Go, go ahead with self. All right, because I'm I'm guiding with my hands as I'm trying to show the path. Yeah. And swim. So I'm using <laughs> my stealth skills to choose a good path for it. That's a 23. I'm on a hot streak. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, so, Jen, uh, Vrockboot gets a plus two. Awesome. Thank you. At which point, uh, everybody can go ahead and actually make their stealth checks. Now, the DC is hidden. So, uh, the majority of the group, uh, we need three or more successes. Uh, uh, 
Rockboot got a 23. I got 22. I don't know how you got a zero, Dan. We wrote plus and two. And that was he three. does 21. Are we just meant to write two in there? Is the plus two supposed to be added, or is that just what we keep in our heads? I put it in that little spot where it said, like, add a modifier. I put two in there. Yeah, when you click oh, the so die, it gives you... But just the number two. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, just the number two. Uh, when you guys roll, if it's cool, do you mind reading out what you got and your character's name, just so Merrick can uh, hear what's going on? Yeah, so Ida got 21 and Oris got 16. And Ilu got a 21 and... Um... Boon got a 15. 15. I love all of you. And then, uh, yeah, Scion got a 22. And Jen, you said that Rockboot. Uh, Rockboot got a 23. Ooh. Shockingly. Uh, yeah. So. You move forward and you get up to basically. I'm going to show. I'm going to move you up on this on this map uh, where Vrockboot is behind this sort of like rock outcropping, and you can see in through the door. And there's a, a line of about a half dozen um, speeder bikes, and then a, a nice luxury land speeder. And you can see that uh, nearby, around like a table. There are uh, a couple of uh, like piratey-looking folk, uh, mostly human, a couple of um, different species, and they do not appear alerted at all. You seem to have snuck up on this uh, entrance, and there are three guards inside. Should we like roll initiative? Yeah, so uh, Ida and Oris both have a pretty good climbing skill. So I was just kind of looking at the map there. And could we, like, sneak up to the baguette? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to split? Or do we want to split up? Or, or do we not want to split up? Yeah. Are you guys shooty fighters or punch or, like, person-to-person fighters? We're shooty. Yeah, we both got guns. All right. So, I mean, it wouldn't hurt, I guess, if you got, like, a, a sniper advantage, but I don't think we can all climb to the baguette with you. Well, so I was thinking, like, half of her, you guys would all go in, like, the lower entrance, and then the two of us could go up to the top. Unless we think it's a bad idea to split up. I mean, Janet's a player likes to stick together, because then there's more, like, bodies to take shots. But, um... <laughs> I mean, whatever strategy you think is going to work the best, I'm. that sounds great. Well, we'll just kind of eye up climbing up for now, but for now we're just kind of at the back of the pack and just following everyone. I have a nine in climbing. I just wanted to use it. That's all it is. I think you should still climb a bit and like do some sweet snipe shots. 
you have you have like dual pistols though. Yeah, I, even the scope though, you oh, could climb. I spent my money on a targeting scope for my heavy blaster, so I have Ooh. one extra range. What does the targeting scope do for you? Oh, one yeah, extra like, range band. Yeah. Oh dang, that's pretty good. Yep. So, okay, I have a question. Um, I see on my character sheet that I have just a skill I can roll called Use the Force. And I'm not sure how open-ended that is. Uh, is it, like, if it's, like, is it, do I need a specific force power for any little ability? Or if I think of something, can I potentially try to use the force to try that? Okay, so, Yes. Um, the answer is complicated because there are a whole bunch of force techniques, which you do have, I think one or two of that are under your qualities or so on. Um, use the force. These are the things that you can do with it. You can activate a force power. Those are the techniques. Those are usually, they're usually going to call for a skill role using this. You can go into a force trance, which allows you to heal like it's basically like getting an eight hour rest in one hour. Uh, you can move a light object. So uh, something small, you can just like pick up and you can actually make it as a weapon. If you roll high enough, yeah, uh, you can 89. Yeah. Uh, 89. What? Picking up and throwing BD nine. Oh yeah. I was like, no, this is page 77. Uh, you can search your feelings, uh, which as a full round action, you can make a DC 15 use the force check to determine whether a particular action will yield favorable or unfavorable results within like the next 10 minutes. Uh, you can also sense the force, sense your surroundings. Um, interesting, which allows you to ignore the effects of cover and concealment when making perception checks. And you can use telepathy, so you can establish a small uh, telepathic link with a distant creature and exchange emotions or single thoughts, such as go, help, or danger. Okay, so with the ability to move things, I'm not sure how close we are to the swoop bikes, but how reasonable would it be for me to get close enough to maybe flick a couple of switches on the swoop bikes causing one of them to, say, activate and, like, drive into a wall, creating a big distracting accident. I would say that that one is pretty difficult. Uh, It's definitely possible with Use the Force, um, but it's not as easy as, like, picking up a rock and throwing it. It's going to be reaching out and flicking a switch on a bike. And so instead of the DC 15, I'm going to call it a DC 21. Are there any fuel canisters near the entryway there? Like for refueling the swoop bikes and the fancy speeder? 50-50 chance? And yes, there are. What about ramming a speeder bike into that... Like trying to flip the switch and aim it? Would that be more complicated to aim for that? Or how would that work? Yeah, like you, it would be definitely more complicated to aim the bike. I would say that that's kind of like two checks where it's 
uh, first to turn it on, and then the second one to jam the controls so that they move in a certain direction. I would like to we try. Could shoot it. We could also shoot it. Can we just shoot the canister of fuel? What if, yeah. what if we do both, actually? Well, so simultaneously. You, you turn on the speeder bike, jet it into a wall, and then um, we've got the Imperial, who's our uh, long-range guy. While you ram it into the wall, he takes a shot at the fuel canisters. If anybody's watching any security feed, they just see a swoop bike ram into a wall and an explosion. Yeah, and uh, as the Imperial kind of lines up his shot for this kind of plan, he says, old hokey religions aren't no match for a good blaster. I'm going to give Ori's a very enthusiastic thumbs up as we come up with this plan. <laughs> All right, so we're going to try to set up this plan for you. I'm trying to set up this plan for you. Sorry, give me one sec. Evidently, it needs to be as convoluted as possible. Yep. So with force uh, points, could we you spend those like before you do something complicated or after? You spend them after if you think that you failed, uh, and then you could roll the dice and add to the roll. Okay, neat. All right, so yeah, uh, I'm, let's try yeah. this. At the very Sorry, least, give me one. Give me one second while I'm setting up. You you discuss amongst yourselves, but I won't ask for rolls yet. Yeah, is anybody else wanting to be uh, doing something while the two of us are setting up for this? Because I feel like we'd be standing a little further back, so somebody could be sneaking up. Is it like going to take you as a whole action to set up? I don't think it should take that long to set up. We're mostly just waiting for um, Boone to get the speeder set up. Mm. So finding his focus, I guess? Okay, because I have something that I can do, but it takes a standard action. So I don't know if I have enough time. Yeah, standard action is just six seconds. Okay. So I'm going to talk to Ida. Kill with your blaster is mostly not an embarrassment. Good job. And I'm going to inspire your confidence. Well, I hate to say it, but that little pep talk probably worked. Because, yeah. you know, Ida doesn't like enthusiastic people. So that was probably perfect. <laughs> and that's, you know, high praise for, for him. So, um... I can inspire confidence in an ally in my line of sight, granting them plus one morale bonus on attack rolls and a plus one morale bonus on skill checks for the rest of the encounter or until you're unconscious or dead. Once inspired, your allies don't need to remain within your line of sight of you. So uh, you have plus one attack and plus one on skill checks till the end of the encounter. So after my confidence booster, can I take out my dual pistols? Because, you know, it's best to have two. And start sneaking up, like, a little bit closer to the action. Because I want to jump in right after the explosion happens. Yeah, and I mean, you got two hands, so... What would your other hand be doing if it wasn't holding a gun? Okay. 
I am pretty close to prepared, so I want to hear what actions people are preparing. So, um, Rockboot has inspired or bolstered whom? I inspired Ida. I think bolstering's for damage. I don't remember precisely. And then Ida is sneaking forward to get closer. Yes, and she's got both pistols out, so she's ready. Okay, and then Vrockboot, or no, not Vrockboot, Boon is um, preparing to make the bike go. And I'll also be as close as I can reasonably get so that if this turns into fighting, then I can run in, but not so much as to blow my cover before I switch the bike. Okay. Uh, So that's... Okay, and then um, Oris is preparing to shoot. Yeah, and I have to use, uh, I have to like aim to use my targeting scope, so he's going to kind of take a knee and get into like a good position, and he'll probably be like the furthest one back. Okay. Right, so you aim two swift actions. You get the targeting uh, effect. And you're going to be aiming for the fuel tanks. Yeah, and the targeting scope just it says it reduces the required range by one. Yeah, so basically, um, when you're shooting in a point-blank range, which is up to 20 squares away, which is 30 meters, about 100 feet, uh, there's no penalty. And I think you actually get a plus one bonus because of point blank shot. And then when you get to short range, that's a minus two penalty. So what I'm understanding is that your scope is going to negate that minus two penalty. Okay, cool. Yeah, glad I took it. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then so what is Elu doing? So I see here that I have um, an ability called Born Leader, or a talent, sorry. Um, So it says, once per encounter as a swift action, you can grant all allies within your line of sight a plus one insight bonus on attack rolls. Um, So just wondering, is that something I can use now? Yeah, if you want to give like a little uh, Mm -hmm. Trandoshan speech or pep talk, or once things kick off, you could like use your action to like shout a battle cry. What what would Elu do? I think Elu is going to turn around and say, um, well, none of you have proven yourselves as useless yet. So I expect that you'll be able to pull this off. And I think this is a good plan. So just stay sharp and uh, don't fuck it up. So you all have plus one bonus to all of your attack rolls for this encounter. For the entire encounter? Yeah, I think so. Wow, her inspire is way better than my inspire. Does that add to my rock boot inspire so I get a plus two on my attacks? Yeah, one's an insight bonus and one's a competence bonus because they're separate types, they stack. Fancy. Yeah, and then I have a plus one bonus to attacks and damage on point blank as a feat. So I guess that would still kicking or am i like i guess i'm still medium range yeah um let me check range one sec um 
I'd say that you're within point black range. So you probably will just get your plus one and we're not going to worry about the uh, the sniper scope unless you want to be further back. Ah, I'll be in on the action. I'll be, I won't be the closest one, but still. <laughs> so, um, Jen, how long does your uh, inspire ability go? Uh, the entire encounter. For one person. For one person, but it also gives them a plus one to um, the skill checks. And can you you can use that action again to give somebody else a bonus, right? Yes. Yeah. So Katie's one is once per encounter. She just bursts, and everybody gets it. And if they lose it, she can't do it again. That's the difference. Cool. Yeah, and I should also say it says that I need to have line of sight on them, so. If, um, if that oh. go away kind of thing. And yeah. mine doesn't require line of sight once it's once I've inspired them, they're just inspired. Okay, and then how is Scion setting up? I'm also going to be sneaking towards the entryway because uh, I got a blaster pistol. I'm not very long range either. Okay. I almost spoiled the thing. One sec. There we go. Spoilers, Merrick. Jeez. Almost. Almost. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with Ida and Sion. Both of you make stealth checks, please. Sion got 29 on stealth. Ida got a 24. It's just ridiculous, both of you. <laughs> Ninja's breaking in here. Let me pull out my pirate stats and see if they can figure it out. Don't think they can. Pirates are no match for Imperial training. I don't think so. Oh, no. Oh, no. They don't have any perception bonus. They have to go with just their wisdom, and their wisdom is 10. Oh, no. I feel so bad for them. (laughs) They literally can't succeed. Beautiful. Nobody rolled a natural 20, and so you easily sneak up on them. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have Ida and Scion moving up. Good, good. And then uh, Boone and Oris, go ahead and take your simultaneous actions. I suppose Boone first. And then Oris will shoot as soon as the speeder bike starts moving. All right, let's try this. I, I try to channel my uh, my my uh, peace and uh, and uh, focus my thoughts on my warm memories using swoop bikes as a youngling, and I roll a no. ten. Oh no! You reach out with your feelings, and nothing happens. 
Okay, that's effectively one round. Uh, does Oris shoot, even though the uh, swoop bike doesn't go, or the bike doesn't go? Uh, I th- I'd say he was waiting for the signal for that, so he just kind of uh, looks at uh, over at the at the gun gun there, and then uh, BD9 kind of lets out a little sad whir, because nothing happened. Turn to Oris and say, "Oh, uh, this one's out of fuel. Uh, just take your shot." <laughs> That's such a good answer. Okay, so you're not going to try and uh, move it. You're going to go for the shot. Well, I failed my check. I mean, can I just keep trying forever? Or? Yeah. So what's going to happen here? is uh, because you failed your check, uh, we're going to move to a second round, and I'm going to have the stealthers make another stealth check because there's a potential that they could be seen. With the delay on um, Boone coming through with the force, can I try to sneak closer to the swoop bikes myself? Absolutely. So go ahead and make a stealth check as you move forward. Yeah, you can choose to stay where you are and just try not to be noticed, or you can continue moving forward. Scion rolled 18 on stealth to move up to the speeder bike. And... Ida rolled an eight. I blame the gun gun. <laughs> <laughs> Things begin to fall apart because one of the uh, pirates rolled a 20. And so you see a Trandoshan uh, pirate sort of leaning back in his chair and he looks out and he sees the two forms creeping forward in the darkness and he lets out a shout and stands up. At which point we will now roll initiative. Woo-hoo. Oh, I was really I was really getting into that music. I'm really into this music too. Yeah. And now the thing that I was setting up, I'm going to... Brock Boots just got to be different. We got 14.12. Ida got an 18, and Oris got a 17. Nice. I'm just having computer program problems. Oh, I did roll. I got a 14.12? On rolling for turn order. What? Yeah, that's not initiative. That's something else. I did bad. And then I had to restart it because my computer was mad at me. I thought you would just change the name somehow on there for Frockboot to be different. 
Nope. I just clicked the initiative button. Oh, yeah. So you can roll the initiative skill or you can roll the initiative button, which is up near base attack bonus. Oh, how do I do the other one? Uh, initiative is just a skill, and I don't know who turned, clicked which, but... I clicked the up one, so I'm going to click the oh. down one. It says dexterity score is a decimal, so you have a dexterity of 12. And... Yeah, to show for to show for tiebreakers. At 17. And Elu got a 14, and Lumia got a 15. Okay. I, I, I suck so hard. <laughs> Rock Boot got a 17. <laughs> yeah, so Oris has a dexterity of 16, because I got the same as Rock Boot. I'm the worst. I, I have a much lower dexterity. So you go first. Okay, now I need to go back and start putting these in. I think I liked 14.12 better. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, am I the 14th in the order? I hope I'm not 14th. There's 14 things. Oh, I am. Okay, there we go. Okay, uh, just some housekeeping. Uh, Dan, Bunya got the 15. Yes, Bunya was 15. Uh, Elu was 14. Great. Is that a space to Dan in the hangar uh, bay there? <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful land speeder. I love it. I think I got everybody. Oh, no, I didn't get Oris. Things oh, yeah. have already gone We're sideways for what I was kind of hoping we could get set up. Um. Okay. Oris. Oh my god, why can't I get this? There we go. But going ahead of Rock Boot. I just realized you can type in your own initiative. Yeah, you can. There's just a challenge if somebody else is typing and they hit enter before you do, then yours goes away. That's what I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it turns out they do have a perception score. It's plus five. Oh, so they, they had a slightly better chance. Yeah. Um, it turns out that they put the perception score under senses, not with skills. I'm just not used to reading these um, uh, NPC sheets anymore. Yeah, the late like D, uh, D20 era had that. Um, they had like senses as its own thing. Okay, so um, up first is Ida. Uh, You're up nice and close to the hangar doors, and uh, there are these three pirates uh, that are pulling out their weapons. But you get to go first. I am gonna shoot whichever one's closest to me. So do I have to, like, take an action to aim, or can I just shoot? Um, So... 
I'm going to assume that everybody has pulled their weapons out because it is a movement action to pull your weapon out. Uh, to aim, it is two swift actions. Oh, right. This is our first combat. We haven't really talked about combat yet. So let's run that down real quick. You have an action, you have a movement, and you have a swift action. You can downgrade higher value actions into lower ones. You can take two movements and one swift, or you can take three swifts. You cannot break up your movement around your action the way you can in 5th edition. edition. So, move, shoot, or aim, shoot, um, are your options. Okay, I'm gonna aim and then shoot. Okay, which I believe gets you a plus two bonus. And I would say you are within point blank range, so I think you get a plus one. Now, are you shooting with just one of your pistols, or did you want to shoot with both? I'm going to shoot with both. Think, okay. Yeah, and uh, Yeda has a thing, Yeda has a thing, where uh, it's like, I think it's a minus 10 if you shoot with both, but for her, it's only a minus five. That's right. Okay. So if you shoot with two weapons or attack with two weapons in one action, you get a minus 10 penalty to both attacks. But with the dual weapon mastery feat, it's only a minus five. And so, then does my, uh, my assistance from before where I gave that pep talk, does that help at all in this scenario? Like a plus one, I think? Or is that... Yeah, that's, yeah that helps. And Jen, you also helped Ida, right? I did. Yeah, so I have those two, plus I have a plus one for pistols. And then a plus yeah. one for point blank. Is, is this considered point blank? Because I also have a plus one for point blank range. That is correct. Ooh. So pretty. Okay, so aiming ignores cover bonuses, so it's not going to give you an additional plus anything. So you're getting plus one from your point blank, plus one from Katie, plus one from Jen. So that's total of plus three. And then minus five. So you're going to take a minus two to each attack. Plus one for pistols, too. Yeah, that's... Oh, do you have a weapon focus? You do! Uh, That should already be included. So So that is your miscellaneous bonus. So just a minus two. Yeah, just a minus two. There are two different numbers here. So it's attack is 14 and damage is 17, it says? Yeah, does that... It looks like that doesn't count the minus two. You rolled a two. No, I rolled it without the minus two. Yeah, so... So it's a 12. We got there. All right, now let's check their reflex defense. Okay. Um, Your first shot misses. Reflex defense of 17. So you can go ahead and shoot again with your second pistol. Okay, so it's an attack 28, but then minus 2, so 26. Yeah, more than enough. Um, So that hits, and then uh, you got 10 damage. And there's like a plus 2 to damage for pistols. Yeah. And an additional plus one for point-blank shot. 
because you're within that range. Yeah, so it's a weapon. There's a weapon specialization for pistols, so I get a plus two bonus on damage rolls. I think I might have included that. Well, yeah, so I put that in under the miscellaneous bonus, which is why you have 3d6 plus four and then plus additional two. So point blank is one of the sort of conditional ones, so that only applies sometime. Whereas the weapon focus and weapon specialization, they apply all the time, so they're always on. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you did 11 damage with that shot. Um, uh, this human pirate mercenary is like pulling out his uh, heavy blaster pistol and he turns and one shot goes over his shoulder and he kind of ducks a little bit and then the other shot takes him in the side and he stumbles back. Vrockboot's turn. Vrockboot is going to shoot. Okay, so you didn't stealth up, so I'm going to put you in medium range, which means you'll have a minus two. All right. Sorry, short range at a minus two. I got an attack 19. Uh, which drops to... Oh, you put in the minus two. Look at you. I did. Uh, yeah, that's a hit. And the gods, 18 damage. Were you shooting at the same one or somebody else? Same one. I think that hits the damage threshold for that person. Sure does. Doesn't knock them unconscious, but they take... Um, they go down the condition track by one step. Excellent. And then as a free action, I'm going to look over at um, uh, Ilu and say, mm, my lady, your shots are so much better than mine. And uh, that will give you fever. Fever? Fever? Fervor. <laughs> I'm really tired. Fervor. Um, so, on your next attack, if you hit, you get extra damage equal to your character level. Yeah, if you hit, that's an additional plus five damage. Okay. Uh, Jen, did you want to move up or anything? Oh, no, I'm great. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, were you going to say something? Yulu was just going to say, um, uh, well, thank you very much. Um, you are right that uh, my shots are much better. And if I had hair to flip, I would flip. But I kind of do like this sort of sneaky head sort of twitch. Maybe like your nostrils flare or like, I don't know. Something like a turtle. Something weird. Something lizardy and, and creepy happens. Oh, your like tongue. A, oh, tongue. Yeah, like a. I do a tongue, a tongue flip for sure. Yeah. Beautiful. The next thing I was going to go with was like an extra set of eyelids. All right, that is Oris Jakor's turn now. Yeah, so Oris is gonna definitely uh, still aiming. He's gonna just take a shot at one of the pirates. Or are you going to take it with the fuel tank? The oh, fuel tank. Should I? Yeah. Cause an explosion. Yeah. So are there more fuel tanks or like a better one that I should shoot so I don't blow one of us up? 
excuse me, I got some saliva caught in my throat and nearly died. Um, uh, so the fuel tanks, uh, let me see. Fuel tanks are uh, stored on the sort of bottom part right where I'm pinging, uh, which means they're not really close to hurting the pirates. Uh, it's definitely more towards the um, the vehicle. Hmm. But it so, might. So can I just I just take one shot though, right? If I'm like sitting and aiming. That's correct. Uh yeah, I'll shoot the fuel canister now. Cause some chaos. Okay, just one sec. Okay, yeah, so um, it's like a DC-12. It's pretty easy to shoot a fuel canister that's just sitting there. Do you get a plus one from uh, aiming, or is it... Uh, You only get a plus one from aiming if you... um, uh, if you have the careful shot feat... So you're getting the plus one bonus to attack and damage from uh, point blank shot. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then just yeah, no minus two. Oh no, wait, you're okay. Wait, hang on. Um, how does your visor work again? Uh, it just reduces the required range by one, so it's not any like plus one bonus or anything like that. Okay, because you are in medium range because the back group is in medium or short range. God. <laughs> Different RPGs getting stuck in my head. Um. Okay. 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 So this is going to be under. What's it called again? Oh, it was a targeting scope. It was under equipment. Uh, I, I think I have the page. So that would be great. Yeah, I just want to read it real quick. Yeah, page one forty-eight. It's on. I think there's no page numbers. With it. Wait, yeah, 140, sorry. It says right on the side. (laughs) Yeah, right above services and expenses. Yeah, uh, targeting scope is a sighting device that makes it easier to hit distant targets. However, it affords very limited field of view, making it difficult to use, installing a targeting scope, yada, yada. A standard targeting scope reduces the range by one category, for example, medium to short range. However, you must aim at your target to gain this benefit, and you lose the benefit if you change targets once. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, you are in short range getting a negative two. But if you aim, you're counted as being in point blank range, which means no more negative two, and you get your plus one. Yeah, so definitely going to do that. Definitely, definitely going to do it. It's a swing of three. Not going to fire at the hip. So, <laughs> Okay, um, the AC is pretty low. Go ahead and roll. You get the one for point blank. Is there like a plus one still from uh, the Trend Ocean? Sure is. Yeah, so 23 attack and 21 damage. Hopefully enough to... Okay, yeah, that's enough. Uh, Damage reduction on a uh, canister like this is 5. You easily broke through it. Oh, and it's about half full of fuel. So I'm going to say that that's going to be, um, 
full would be a, a big hazard of 10d6. So it's going to be 4d6 damage. Ooh, 17. Yeah, so you hit the fuel canister and it goes up and there's a bright flash and the car like the the speeder like takes it in the front and uh, these three people sort of like dodge back a little bit. Nice. Kaboom. Yeah, I like it. So BD9 is going to let out a little bit of a cheer. And you can see the, uh, if you look at him at the right angle, you can see like the flames reflected in his little robot. <laughs> it kind of looks a little menacing for a cute little guy. I love it. I love it. All right. Scion's turn with Bunya on deck. So, how close would I have snuck up to before they noticed? I would say that you are within range that you're about six squares away. So, like, if you wanted to move up into melee, you could. I'm not so keen on melee. Yeah, but, yeah. So you are, you know. Can I say move? Can I say move there so that I can shoot in at them while still kind of peering around the corner? Absolutely. Get a little bit of cover. Who looks like they're in charge of the group? The Trandoshan looked biggest, correct? Yeah, the Trandoshan looks biggest just by the fact of being a scary lizard person. Um, they It doesn't look like any particular one of them is in charge. This looks like a late night guard duty. And all three of them are still standing, correct? Correct. I'll take aim at the one that's taken the most fire so far. Sounds good. Okay, I'm clicking attack, and it just comes up with a formula. Weird. Um, Let me take a look at your character. Ah, got it. Ah, okay. Attacking rolls a 19, and now I added one for point-blank shot, because I think I'm within point-blank. Yes, easily. And if that hits, that's hitting for uh, 12 damage. Definitely hits. 12 damage. Okay. Looks incredibly wounded. Like, that was a solid hit. This person stumbles back into the table and takes a second to right themselves. Okay, so that was your movement. Um, You would have a swift action if there was anything that you would like to do. Are there any New Republic patrol areas near here? No. uh, Socorro is a shadow port. Um, It's very sort of outside of any uh, government. Do I know any rival gangs of uh, the scav that aren't um, who we're working for? Yeah, definitely. So this whole planet is just full of criminal organizations that are constantly vying for power. 
whatever the name of the nearest Huts gang, I'm going to yell that out to them as, you know, Huts gang sends their hello as I'm shooting at them. <laughs> I love it. Uh, make me a deception check. I rolled a 26 on deception. That is ridiculous. I would like to yell in Hutties. All right. I too speak Hutties. If okay. I speak Hutties, I don't actually see any languages on my thing. Um, Let's see. They're closer to the bottom. Oh, I just see basic. So maybe it's just basic. Okay. You you use like a couple of Hutties words the way, you know, I could say like one or two words in French if I needed to. Okay. Uh, Bunya's turn. Okay. How close am I to the action? Okay. So having not, um, having not snuck up. You are about about eighteen to twenty squares away. Oh, okay. So there isn't really anything I can do at that kind of range. Um, if I spend my whole turn running, how fast do I get? Uh, you get twelve squares forward. Oh no! Wait, sorry. Um, if you do the full round action to run, as opposed to sacrificing your action, I think you get a little bit faster. Full round action of run, moving up to four times your speed in a straight line, or three times your speed in a straight line if wearing heavy armor or carrying heavy load. Uh, see the endurance skill for running rules. You can run as a full round action. When you run, you can move up to four times your speed in a straight line. You lose any dexterity bonus to your reflex defense while you're running since you can't actively avoid attacks. Wow, so you could run up. And, yeah, so you could run up and take full cover, but if you run up and stand in the door, you're not going to get your, de your dex bonus. Okay, do I take that penalty if I run so that I'm within six squares of the pirates? Um, okay, so that's only if you're running. We said that you're uh, 18 to 20. So you could, that's a full round action giving up your swift action. You could move six and then move six. You've moved 12, yeah. And then you're not going to give up any reflex defense. Okay, and then I would have basically no more actions at that point. Correct. But next turn, you could use your movement, get into melee. Okay, then I'll do that then. I'll just run so that next turn I can get into melee and uh, just position myself there. Sounds good. Okay, um... Then it is the mercenaries' turns, and they're staring at this explosion, and their uh, one of their friends has been shot three times, and then suddenly someone's shouting about like the Hut Clan coming for them. The uh, the human 
who hasn't been shot yet spins around and slams a fist into a, a, a console and a door opens and the three of them begin to hustle back into the base. Did we follow them, my lady? Let's hunt them down. Most excellent. And uh, let me just see. One of them is... Two of them are going to be able to shoot. Um, So the one who activated the door is not going to be able to, but the one who has been shot is going to shoot at a minus one penalty at Scion, and Scion has cover. Would that be against my reflex? Yeah, so they're going to shoot against you, and your reflex defense has a plus five bonus because of your cover. So that would be 26 total, then. Wow, okay. Uh, This guy's got a minus one. There it is. Natural 20! Oh no. He gets a critical hit. That's going to be a big hit. If I die here, I died doing what I loved. Pinning the blame on huts. <laughs> no, don't die. So 32 damage. That's two more than my total hit points. What? Oh no, that's instant death. What? So it dropped you to zero, and it did enough damage for the damage threshold. You will not immediately die, because you can spend a force point. Please do that. Yep. Um, so the, the wounded one running away fires just sort of randomly and it's unfortunate just as Cyan is looking it slams into him and he hits the ground the other guy shoots randomly because he can't see any targets oh no I guess he'd be able to see Ida out there he'd just be shooting at uh, a further range so yeah he's going to shoot at short range with a minus two penalty and shoot at Ida Which is a uh, how do I keep losing this? There it is. Um, that's only a fifteen. What is Ida's reflex defense? Ida? Oh, she's looking. I'm looking. Sorry. Is that my... oh, here it's. You see it? I don't. Yeah, it's down here. Defense. Yeah, twenty-one. Yeah. So the wildfire doesn't doesn't hit. Okay. Uh, then that is Elu's turn. So 
So, um, Merrick, I have a question about the the talent called Demand Surrender. So it says, once per encounter, you can make a persuasion check as a standard action. You demand surrender from an opponent who has been reduced to one half or less of the hit points. So the one that they've been shooting over and over is like your half hit points? Very clearly, yes. Okay, so I think... I love gonna, that ability. That's so cool. I know. I think I'm going to... Um, use that ability on him. So it says, if your check results equal or exceed the target's will defense, then he would surrender to you and your allies. Um, drops his weapons and takes no hostile actions. Okay, so uh, go ahead and demand surrender. You'll probably have to move up, though, because you can't currently see him. Okay, got you. So I'll just use my movement to um, uh, however much movement I so I can see him, and yeah. then I'm, I'm going to yell out, uh, Stop you, scum! We're not done with you yet! And okay, then so go ahead. Yeah, make a persuasion check, right? Okay, so then... Yes, against his will defense. Alrighty, so I got a 22. Okay, so um, with the 22, the guy sort of turns around and his face goes just like pale and he trips and hits the ground and you see him like skid a little bit and his friends continue running away and he throws his gun. All right, perfect. I think that's end of my turn. Okay. Now, um, before we move too far, we should talk about what's going on with Oris. Yeah, or, so sorry, Sion. With Sion, sorry. I'm, I'm going to help Sion on my turn, maybe. I'm okay. dying. Yeah, I, I just wanted to um, define what is happening to Scion before we move too far into the initiative order. What happens when you hit zero? I mean, I wish that I could find it. I read it today. So are these called one-shots because you, like, die in one shot? There you go. I mean, that's why it's called Massive Damage Adventures. It's a one-shot. <laughs> yeah. Boo. <laughs> Here it is! A character or creature that dies cannot be brought back to life. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um... Okay, yes, that's what happens. Um, if you don't get any healing, after an hour, you make an endurance check. And if you succeed, you begin healing. If you fail, you begin dying. It's not as immediate the way um, that D&D is currently. Although if you take damage equal to your damage threshold again, you will immediately die unless you spend another force point. You got lots of force points, though, so yay! Yeah, but there are a lot more positives because Jen... That's me! Uh, I think a couple of people, but I think Jen especially, have treat injury. Mm. Oh, I also have a bolster ally, which moves them on a condition track. Isn't that helpful? That would, because he is at the bottom of the condition track with the unconsciousness. Yeah, I can move him one step along it. Would you like show and him give away? them bonus hit points. 
Nice. And yeah, there's. There we go. When I click on the helpless thing, it throws my. When I click on the helpless, it throws my threshold down to six. Woof. Oh, wow. That's scary. So, like, I think a thumbtack can kill me now. (laughs) Okay. So, that is what's. that is what's happening with Scion. Elu uh, demands surrender successfully. Ida's turn. For the record, I'd just like to say that I think Rockboot is like the most like useful character in this entire game, and we never saw that coming. <laughs> oh, thank you. The best. I love him. So with all the guys being in that back room there, did they close the door or is the door still open? The door is still open. One has fallen prone and the other two are running down a hallway. So I can shoot them or run after them or something? Yes. How um, far can I get? If I like run towards them, let's see. We've got you. Uh, you snuck forward, so we're gonna put you right around uh, Bunya. Diagonals cost two, so you can move one, two, three, four, five, six. You could get right there with one movement action. Is that close enough to make a shot, or not really? Yep. Let's shoot somebody. Okay. Uh, did you want to shoot the one that has laid down and is surrendering and has thrown away his gun? Or did you want to shoot one of the ones running away, possibly to alert the rest of the base, even though there was a big explosion? Who's going to shoot one of the runners? Okay. Shooting one of the runners. The Trandoshan or the human? The Trandoshan. Okay. And can we say that I took time to aim? Unfortunately not, because you moved. Takes two swift actions to aim. But you are within point-blank range, so you do get the plus one, plus one. Are you shooting with just one pistol or with both? With both. Okay, so then you're going to get that plus one. You're still within uh, line of sight of uh, your bonuses. So you've got a plus three, so you're taking a negative two to both of your attacks. So I got an attack of 12 and damage 14, and I put the negative two in already. A 12, unfortunately, will miss. Second shot. And that was with my pluses? Yep. I forgot about your plus. But that's still a minus two, right? Even with that? Yeah, that's what counts into the, into the minus two. Because rather than a minus five, you're taking a minus two for three bonuses. Oh, worse. Not, not great. Okay. Looked really cool, though. I just didn't hit anything. So 12 and 11 as you're running forward, both blasters blasting. Super cool. Uh, Vrockboot's turn. 
Rockboot is going to um, do that, like... Oh, I don't even need to be close to him. It's just with a line of sight. So can I see um, Scion? Not Scion. Yep, Scion. Yeah, Scion. So I'll look at Scion, and then I'll say... I do believe that anyone in the mistress's company is stronger than this. Get up. And, uh, yeah, you can move up one step along your condition track, and you get five bonus hit points. Bonus hit points wear off, right? Yes. Yeah, this is like an adrenaline surge because a Mon Cala Major Domo shouted at you? Or, like, guilted you? Really? Through some shade. Uh, but yes, at the end of this encounter, you will um, fall unconscious again. However, once per day, you can catch a second wind. So if you spend three swift actions all in one turn, you can get back a quarter of your hit points. That seems pretty good. Okay, and that's my whole turn because that was a standard action. Okay. Uh, did you want to move up? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, I'll move up because we're going to be going in the door soon. Okay, so that brings you right up with Elu. Then it is yeah. Oris Jakor's turn and you can't see any bad guys. Yeah, Oris is just going to book it on up there because he's fallen behind. Did you want to run and um, move 24 squares? If I run, where does that get me at the furthest? I mean, you'd be able to get right into the doors if you wanted. Yeah, I'll run right up there with Ida. Okay. Scion's turn. You've got five temporary hit points and your four things down on the track. I'm going to just catch my breath and spend my turn catching my breath. That's a good action to take. Okay, I am just finding... Took my finger off the push to talk. I am just finding that... Here we go. What? Oh, okay. Oh! Catch a second wind is only one swift action. That's why I couldn't find it. Um, do, 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 do. Second wind. Oh my god, it's on a different page. Go back to 146. Okay. This action heals one quarter of your full hit point total, or a number of hit points equal to your constitution score, whichever is greater. Yeah. Okay. Do does that do I still keep my temporary hit points then? You do keep your temporary hit points. Okay. I will then get up and can I see anybody? 
Um, standing up right there, you can look down the hallway and see the people. Excuse me. You can see the people running, and the guy who has clearly surrendered. I'm gonna try to shoot somebody running in the back. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a movement action to stand up, swift action to second wind, and an action to shoot. Go ahead. I'm not entirely sure how I... Oh, I have minus 10 because of my uh, health track thing. Right. Well, you're woozy. And the shot just... You just got up and you're like, fine, I'm up. Okay, so I found the three swift actions thing. You can spend three swift actions on a turn to move plus one step on the condition track. And this can be spread out over multiple turns. Okay, can I just rewind and instead of shooting with minus ten, just uh, use downgrade it to a swift action towards moving up the track. Yeah, so what you could do is one swift action to catch the second wind and get the hit points, and then two swift actions to start the uh, the condition recovery. On your next turn, spend a third swift action, and your condition will go to three. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, that's. I like it. I think it's smart. Can I get you in a back backa tank? Back to tank, yeah. So instead of instead of shooting, I'm gonna just throw my back up against the wall and kind of try to get my bearings. Yeah, the whole planet feels like it's spinning. Uh, what does Bunya do? Uh, so if I use a swift action, does that give me more movement? No. So you can move. And then you could spend your action to move. Um, okay. There's no way to use a swift action to move faster. Okay. So if I just go one, uh, so I can go six squares. So one, two, three, four, five, six, and then I can't reach anybody. I believe because the the one who's closer is the one who's. Uh, Surrendering, I imagine? That is correct. I mean, you can use your lightsaber if you wanted. Well, in my range, I can't. <laughs> um, you can throw it, you just can't pull it back. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Boonia is quite that dumb. Uh... <laughs> I will just... You know what? I'm just going to spend my whole turn... If, if I spend my whole turn running, does that give me another six squares? Or? Yeah, so you can use your movement action to move six and then downgrade your standard action to a movement and move another six without taking any penalties. All right, so I'm, I'm going to just get as close to them as I can then, I guess. Like running the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just get... There. That's sure. terrifying to have a Jedi run into your elevator. Oh, and to be clear, um, what this looks like, it's not an elevator. So you've got a um, uh, sort of like this 
hangar bay area that's like corrugated metal and whatnot and then these big doors that shoot up and in there there's a little bit of metal again but then it goes into what looks like a semi-natural um tunnel with like uh you know reddish black stone and lights running along the walls they're running down this this hallway tunnel And it is their turn, and they both take the run action, just sprinting away and getting around cover, effectively moving us out of combat, because they'll just continue running. And you can all gather up and figure out what you want to do. Mm, my lady, is it possible could we knock down the tower? Well... Before we answer that, let's all take a quick break, grab some water, go to the washroom, stand up. Pee! And I will, while we're on break, look at how to recover some hit points for our friend. Ow! Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at SkyhammerK and on Instagram at SkyhammerPress. If you want some outtakes, keep listening after I stop talking. Your reflex defense is uh, your level, plus modifiers and so on. But if you wear armor, it replaces that. So, like, if an armor has a plus three bonus, it's great at level one and two. But then when you're at level four, it's better to take the armor off and just be a high-level badass who knows how to dodge shots. It's weird, but kind of cool, because um, if you take talents, uh, like, the soldier can take talents to actually know how to use armor, and then they get to add multiple bonuses. Otherwise, you're just Han Solo running around in a vest. Excellent. So, like, 70s clothing is better than armor, really. Yeah, at high levels, when you're expected to be a hero, armor gets in your way. So you are perfectly armored in your, um... Not parachute pants. The other one. The flare pants. Bell bottoms. Thank you! And, and like, sideburns probably give you a bonus, too. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But, I mean... it depends how much you grow them out because you might get a, a perception penalty. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay.